Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever families get together, there is always a regaling of stories of times past. Being the youngest of four kids, it was always about what I did, how I did this or that, how they changed my diapers and so forth. You oldest ones have got it going on, I'm telling you, because no one has anything on you. Or maybe your parents talk about the stories of when you were little or when they first met or stories about your grandparents, stories about your aunts or uncles or cousins that were of great import to you and to your family. And this recollection of history, this retelling of stories, is very vital to pass on to generation to generation. But what you just saw this morning at that font is the most important story of all. More important than your birthday or your anniversary, more important than your confirmation day. Because there at that font you saw a child born of God. You saw life being given in the midst of death and sin. That is a story to remember. But the problem is that it's seen through the eyes of faith and not seen necessarily with the eyes of the flesh. And that's the challenge. For the Old Testament reading for the people of Israel, they saw it with their own eyes, didn't they? They were to be, to, to be reminded that God sacrificed the firstborn of all and preserved them because there was a lamb slaughtered in sacrifice for them. And the angel of death passed over. And as they left, that practice was to be continued when they arrived in the promised land where every firstborn male would be sacrificed for, whether animal or whether a child. And then they said it very clearly, our Lord did, you are to teach your children when they ask, what does this mean, Dad or Mom? Why are you doing this? They will know. That's the same gift that you give to your children when you tell them about what it means to be a baptized child but they have no recollection. You are their recollection. You witnessed it. Just like all of us here can remind Nicholas and his brother, we saw you being baptized in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are no longer a part of this world. You are separated out from this world. This world and all of its inhabitants who do not believe shall perish. And you who do believe and have been given this gift shall live. That is just like in the Old Testament reading. Wow. As those Jewish or Israel inhabitants left the land of slavery, the land of sin, symbolic, they could recall people that they knew whose firstborn died. 
the Egyptian woman with whom they would interact, possibly in the marketplace. Her son died. The little boy, that, the Egyptian boy who played together with their son or daughter, died because of God. That's a lot like what Simeon said to Mary, wasn't it? This child is destined and appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. How can something so beneficial, so full of grace, so forgiving be coming from a God who would also allow people to not believe this? Blessed are your eyes, for they have seen what many long to see and but do not. Blessed are your ears, for they have been opened and made to hear God's holy word and believe in such promises. Blessed indeed are you, for you are God's holy ones brought forth from Egypt and stand to inherit the promised land of heaven itself. But in this world in which we live, unless there is this demarcation, God's grace goes out the window. How so? Unless God is very clear as to from what He has redeemed us, then to what He has given us into the family of God would have no meaning. It would be completely moot, without point. He must draw that line of demarcation as to his possession and those who are not. His gift and those who do not have that gift. But notice what Simeon said. Simeon did not talk in terms that this child whom he held in his arms, who controlled the world and gave life to all, including Simeon, who gave Simeon his Holy Spirit, This child was given as a gift of forgiveness for all. For this gift was performed in the presence of all people. His cross wasn't just limited to those in Jerusalem. His cross was for the Arabs. His cross was not just limited to the Middle East or to that region of the world, but for us who live in this country that we do. That's the great universality of God's gift of redemption. But it's not received by all. And that's the paradox, isn't it? For he shall be appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. But you, you don't oppose him. You say amen to what God has done. But having said amen to what God has done, how he has been born for you, how he has been sacrificed for you so that the angel of death passes over you, so that you stand to inherit the promised land of heaven. Others do not. 
but he wishes to use you. Feeble and frail though you and I may think of ourselves, he wishes to use you. Think of the birth narrative in and of itself. When the angels came and revealed themselves to the shepherds, and it was a glorious sight, and there was great pomp and circumstance involved, it was only those shepherds that they revealed themselves to. Why didn't they go into Bethlehem? Why didn't they go to Jerusalem and hover over the temple? Why did they do a whole host of other things to reveal the Savior born for all? They were to declare truth. And now that they have declared truth, God gave that gift to the shepherds. And the shepherds went and told people. Whether they heard and believed or whether they didn't, the shepherds told that truth that was told unto them. Now Simeon, who, by the way, it's interesting, there are three places right before he speaks the words of the, as we know them, the Nook Demetus. Before he speaks that, there are three places where the Holy Spirit is made very clear that it's on this man. Here again, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the Lord's temple. God is saying something really important here. I got something important to tell you, he's saying. And Simeon, in front of who knows whom, declares this great truth. Whether they believe or not, he declares this great truth. So where does Anna come in? Is she kind of like thrown in there so God can tell all the ladies of, of, of his church that women are important too? No. Anna's the second witness, isn't she? And as you know from the Old Testament, nothing can be confirmed without the witness of at least two people. Anna is that second witness. But Anna's role is completely different than Simeon's. Simeon is like the angels to declare that truth. Now that Anna heard that truth and believed in that truth because she too has been waiting, she, it's, it's written, not Simeon, but she who goes and speaks to, of him to all who are willing to hear, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. She was the shepherds. Fascinating. We've been given a great gift in that we are a part of a Catholic church that's worldwide that still clings to Simeon's words and has the chutzpah to say they're important. So critically important are they that we want to teach our children. You knew, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace before you could ever have memorized it because you kept hearing it over and over again. And those words are deep in your heart and they shall not be removed regardless of how Dementia we may be, or Alzheimer's, they're there. It's God's word of faith planted in your hearts. And that song has been a part of the church for well over 2,000 years. The church, not the Lutheran church, the church. What a great gift. Simeon's proclamation is saying to you and to me, we have been delivered. Do you see that? Now, 
It's interesting in Moses' account here and his proclamation, Moses is assuming that all of the young children are little Lutheran boys and girls because they're asking what we always ask in the catechism. What does this mean? And so mom and dad told them, what does this mean? That's exactly what we come here for, to hear again, what does this mean? How does this fit into my life and in the relevancy of the big picture? More importantly, how does this have anything to do with a baby being baptized? Because that's where it all begins. Your exodus, your exodus, personally and very authentically, from your bondage of slavery of Egypt was in your baptism. And now each time you take the great gift of feeding at the manger of our Lord, who is contained there in that manger, you are eating the very one unto whom you have been joined in your baptism. What great gifts that God has given. And blessed are the eyes who see what you see. And like Anna, having heard such great truths and believing such great truths, for we gather here waiting for that great deliverance, we do go forth from here. And we do tell others. And we do invite them and encourage them to come and hear these things. But we also know that not all will receive what we have been given. And we entrust them into the hands of a loving and gracious Father who did such wondrous things in the presence of all people that all may know and believe. It is in the name of the one who bound himself to that boy and to you and who has chosen to be found in that word and sacrament to be eaten and drank, to be joined to again, to be delivered again, and to go forth proclaiming the great things that God has done. In his name, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.